Wow. Praise God. Um, you're all so blessed, you know, and uh, I feel the blessing of God just being part of your church service this morning. Um, I count it a privilege and an honor to be friends with Pastor Jeffrey and his wife and you guys, you know, as an extension of what the Lord is doing. Um, and uh, I'm just thankful to God. And I count it, I want you to understand this as an honor and a privilege to bring the Word of God. Um, and I find it interesting that this morning the worship was great, you know, and the theme of this morning is exactly what I felt the Lord put on my heart. So let's be encouraged that God is speaking, and He's already speaking, and He's already here. Amen? In the presence of God, we sit and we stand and we worship. And that is the greatest place for all of us to be today. Amen? Amen. So before I start, I'm just going to pray and welcome the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, Amahan Salangit, we just welcome you here today. We thank you that your presence is here, that your love is sure, that Lord God, that you are with us, that you are not against us, Father that you are for us, Lord God, and that with you nothing truly is impossible, Lord God, and you have won our hearts today. And Lord God, I just pray that as we break down your word today and we hear your spirit speak, let it go deep into our hearts, Lord God, and transform each and every one of us from the inside out. Let these words be living and alive, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness and your mercies that follow us all the days of our lives, that follows this church, Lord God, the people, your children, your sons and your daughters, Lord God. I just ask, Lord, that you would bless them today. Father, you would meet them in their times of need. And Lord God, that you would meet them, Father, and they would be transformed in your very presence. Amen. Amen. So this morning... I'm quite excited because, you know, the very first song that we started with was Purify My Heart. And um, God wanted me to speak to you guys about the matters of the heart. You see, the heart is what drives us, right? If you think about it, if you think about in sports, when you meet somebody um, that might have all the physical attributes like a LeBron James if you're into basketball or a Kyrie Irving or a Stephen Curry. We all love basketball in the Philippines. They can have all the skills in the world, but if they don't have the heart, the drive, they won't fulfill the potential of what God has given them in terms of their talents and gifts. Does that make sense? So the heart is what drives a man or a woman into everything God has called them to. Therefore, the heart is the most precious, special treasure that you and I have today, that we possess, that God has given us. And that's why God says man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. Why is that? There is a battle for our hearts today. And what I want to talk specifically today our keys are ways that maybe you can check your own heart to see whether there are areas in our lives where we have moved away 
from what we are called to be exactly, which is in holy marriage with God. He has covenanted with us a special relationship that you and I have been afforded because of what we just sang there. That all the heavens cried because love was put on the cross. That love drew you from death into life. Now you cannot understand what treasure is unless you know where you're coming from. Does that make sense? It's difficult to put value on something unless you don't have something. And sometimes you can forget what you have when you don't know where you came from or you forgot where you came from. See, matters of the heart are so important. Like, for example, there's awesome stories you can see on Facebook, like old people. My wife and I have been together for 25 years, praise God. And then you see these stories of these elderly that have been married for 50 years, 60 years, and it's so beautiful. And then they're together, say, in the hospital, and they're like their 90s, and they're, they're breathing their last breath, or one of them's breathing their last breath, and say, the man goes, he goes to be with the Lord. Shortly thereafter, the wife's heart stops, and she goes to be with the Lord. You see, her heart is led by the love relationship. There's a covenant, a connection that draws, and it's a beautiful picture of how God describes your walk. It's a love walk. It's a romance. If you think about it, has anyone died for you here today, today in your life, like physically that you know? But you see, the truth is God himself died for you because of a love that's so deep that he took on death itself and said, I will take the punishment that's due to you so that you can be drawn to me. This is love. Now, when you think about it, when your heart is sick, the matters of the heart, when you have sakit or bugat sa imong kasing-kasing, your heart is heavy, your head is filled, maybe you're walking with bitterness today. Maybe your heart is sick because you've lost hope, you're waiting. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe something in the past has hurt you and you're never quite fully alive because when your heart is sick, it weakens the body. Think about it. If you've got a big problem in your life, right? And your heart is heavy, what does your body do? It, it gets weak, right? You can be the strongest man or woman in the world, but if your heart is sick, say you lost something, you lost somebody, or you've been hurt and it's cut, and they say you've been cut in the heart. What happens to your life, your imong your, lawas, your whole body? Weak, right? You get headaches. You lose the strength. You lose the will to live. You, nothing tastes the same. Nothing looks the same anymore, right? That's called a sick heart. Now, God says, I have come to give you a new heart. But there's a part to play with us. And today I want to talk about our hearts. And I know that's a bit of a long intro, but I want you to understand that it's so important to understand what we have been saved from so that we can put value in it. So often our walk with God, we make it barato kaayo, we hang you. 
right? You know, I'm going to give a little bit of my heart to you today, God, on a Sunday because it feels good. We've got the aircon. People are looking at each other. I feel cool today. So I will be nice today, God. I will be kind. I'm going to walk and I'm going to love you in my worship. But then by Monday, Imong Hangyo has become barato kayo. You've got cheaper and cheaper, and you've given less of your heart, and you start to give your heart to other things in your life. You see, my warning today is that that causes a sick heart. And when you have a sick heart, it leads to a, de a deceived way of living, and it makes you weak. Remember, like I said, if your heart isn't functioning, you're weak. So I want to ask you today, because the Word of God is alive, right? So when we read it today, I'm going to read big chunks of Scripture. Why? Because there is living Word here. And only the Word of God, the truth in His presence will set you free. But the heart is critical. So if you're living today, I'm going to throw this out before we go into the meat of my message. And you think, man, I constantly have this ache, this pain. And it just makes a part of my life so weak. I I've lost ability to love, maybe, because I was hurt. I've lost the ability to, to walk in light because I'm, a, and I'm in fear. I was hurt. I was in pain. Or I've lost the ability to be gracious to those around me because I have bitterness in my heart. Your heart has, is sick, and it needs medicine. And the world wants to give you all kinds of pills to save that, to heal that. In your marriage, you're thinking, man, I've lost that spark, that romance. I would like to challenge all of us here this morning that perhaps our hearts are sick. And God has an answer for that, a remedy. But what I want to do is before I show you the answer, I want to show you what he has saved us from. It's really important to understand today where we have all come from in order to understand the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what he did for you and me. Like we sang, all of heaven cried because love was nailed on the cross for you and I. There is, unless you understand what you're saved out of, you make it hangyo, you're bargaining with the gospel. You make it cheap. You see, God says, I am all that you need, like we sang. Everything is in me. But if you live with a sick heart, i.e. divided, sayang, you're, you're going to walk always weak. There's always something dragging you. It's always carrying, and, and you have to drag it. And you're thinking, why aren't I free and, and full of strength? And why can't I be consistent? One day I'm up, the next day I'm down. See, God says, I want you to walk with me daily. To not stop praying. That's communicating with me daily. In your spirit. He says, I'm giving you a new spirit today. So, but before we get into that, I want to break down what we have been saved out of. This is the gospel, and it's called love. You see, today, judgment won't draw you to God. Who, who here loves to be judged? Nobody. Anybody love to say, anyone here, please judge me for all of my wrongdoings. I love it. 
I want to start my Monday before I go to work with how bad you think I am. Tell me. It's the opposite. On Facebook, everybody's looking for likes. On Instagram, how many likes did I get on my selfie? How many likes did I get on my good works? How many likes did I get on whatever it is? Nobody likes to be judged. You see, our nature is that we're drawn by what? By love. We're drawn by love. You think about it, anything that you are, you love food, you love sports. You don't like think, I am food, I am sports. No, you have a desire that's drawing you. You see, the love of God is drawing us. And he says, I want you to come back today. Because if there's any areas in your life where your heart is sick, and you may be carrying past bitterness, future fears, maybe things that you feel has been passed on to you from generations. Man, I was never taught how to love by my father. I was never given a comfort by my mother. How am I supposed to pass that on? There's a bitterness and an anger in your heart. Today, God says, I want to give you something that's going to give you all that you need today. Anybody want to know what that is? Right? Isn't that? This is what will make you driven to, to live a life that God has laid out for you. Not what we have. So... I want to start with this scripture. If you could just open up real quick before I get into the uh, key. Um, let's see. Can you look at Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 for me? I'm just going to open with this. Because I believe there are folks in this room today and listening to this message that feel exactly the way the word says here. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Let's read this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. My message today is about a sick heart, right? You need medicine. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Hope deferred. deferred. What happens when things are deferred? You're waiting for something to happen and it's delayed. Or you're, you're hoping on something and it hasn't happened yet. Or you thought it was going to happen in one way and it just doesn't seem to work out. Anybody experience that in life? Yes. The none, right? If you're honest, you can. Yes, we're all in the same boat. But you see, I want to challenge us today that for us to enter in to that dream fulfilled is a tree of life. It means that our hope has to change its direction that they're facing. You see, our hope gets transformed as we take our eyes off Christ, as we begin to forget what Jesus did. That's why it's so important to remember, purify my heart. It was at the cross that my champion saved me died for me remember where we come from because when our hope is deferred like we're not getting what we feel we want it makes our hearts sick and a sick heart leads to a weakness and it becomes a deceitful place think about it if you have a sick heart today in any way if you walking say uh, so many times people talk about bad relationships I can't trust a man I'll never trust another woman again Right? You hear that all the time. Let's be honest. 
So the next relationship they come to, they already have a preconceived, they already have a barrier, a block, right? God says, I don't want you to walk with barriers. I want you to be love. I want you to be hope. Even regardless of where you've come from. Because he's saying, I am in me, you are new. So if you're walking today with past pain or hurt or fear, this is a message that will set you on fire. But it starts with love. So when we get into that love message, it's going to, I pray that the Holy Spirit will open up those areas in your heart that perhaps you've been leaving just, it's sick, okay? Matters of the heart, a sickness of heart. Excuse me, my eyes are getting old. So I have to join you guys that have these. And uh, I'm going to read this. So can we open to Ezekiel chapter 16? Remember, like I said, love is what draws us. It's a relationship with the living God, right? Today, I want to talk about a covenant relationship God has made with you and I. And this chapter in Ezekiel 16 paints a powerful picture. So I want you to read it with me. So I'll wait a second. If you've got your Bibles in paper or in digital format, or look over your friend's shoulder so you can read this. This chapter will paint a picture of where we have come from and what has been given to us, okay? It's so powerful. I pray that this gets you as much as it gets me. Are you ready? Let's read. Isn't that interesting? We're going to read the Word of God and let God's Word transform your heart. Amen. Here we go. Ezekiel chapter 16. We're going to start from verse 1. And we'll end somewhere wherever we end. All right? So I don't want to give you guys any clues. Okay, here we go. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, confront Jerusalem with her detestable sins. Now this chapter is started with a, I don't know if you have it on your Bibles, but it says this is the parable of the unfaithful wife. <gasps> That's heavy, right? Unfaithful wife or unfaithful heart. Let's change it to that. Okay? Because this is for all of us, men and women. Okay? I just want to make that clear. Give her this message from the sovereign Lord. Here we go. We're going to start with this first thing. This is where we have all come from. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read and break down. I think this is the best way. Is that, is that fair? Are you guys ready for that? We're going to do a Bible study together. Here we go. Give her this message from the sovereign Lord. So where does the message come from? Amen. Not man. Okay. Here we go. You are nothing. Stop. So often we start with I am somebody. I am definitely something. And most of the time I'm something better than the one next to me. So here we go. This is all of us. You are nothing but a Canaanite. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. It's like, look, you're not only you, but your history that you came from means nothing. Oh, we come from a place 
of desperate need. Okay? This is the gospel, guys. This is why it's abrasive. It's not pretty, but this is the truth, and it will bring you true hope. And this is the remedy to a sick heart. Here we go. Verse 4. On the day you were born, so not today, but since the beginning of time when you came out, on the day you were born, no one cared about you. There is nothing in you that makes you valuable since the day you were born. Today, what does the world want to tell you? Hey, you are the greatest. You're the best. Live your best life today. YOLO, you only live once. You hear all those statements. The Bible is saying, understand where you came from. Because unless you know where you came from, you don't understand the beauty of the romance and the love of God. And that's the place where you will find strength to be who you were called to be. But you must understand where you come from. You're, and it says this, this is powerful. So verse 4, on the day you were born, no one cared about you. Your umbilical cord was not cut and you were never washed, rubbed with salt, and wrapped in cloth. What is an umbilical cord? It connects a baby to the mama, right? Does a baby cut their own umbilical cord? The baby is stuck with whatever happens and is given to the baby. Think of it like this. The umbilical cord that we're born with is stuck to a sinful nature. And that sinful nature that we are born into because of the product of sin has got a source that leads to death and it needs cutting in order to come to life. Do you see that picture? So often people say, I was born, I was, I'm a good person. I have a good heart. I can do good deeds. I can help a hundred Lolas and Lolos every day and I'll earn my way. I'm going to pray 1,000 prayers. I'll stop swearing on a Sunday, but I'll start again on a Monday. I'll do these things. I'll hung you with my life. I'll be better tomorrow. Guys, when you have an umbilical cord, you are like a baby. There's nothing you can do unless somebody comes, the doctor comes and snips it to say, now you are going to grow into who you were meant to be. The whole time you're stuck, you're connected. But there has to be a birthing process. You see, that's called being born again. The new creation comes when God steps in. But you have to understand what you're connected to. That's why we cheapen the gospel. You make the gospel cheap because you don't understand what you're being bought from. The world makes the gospel so weak. Yet Jesus died for us. If God had to die, he had to become man and experience everything that you and I go through in order to pay a price. How valuable is that death for us today? Until we understand that, we cannot have a heart fully healed today. That's why it's important to come and understand where you're coming from. Here we go. Verse 5, no one had the slightest interest in you. No one pitied you or cared for you. On the day you were born, you were unwanted, dumped in the field, and left to die. The second you and I were born, we were destined for death. Oh my goodness. Wow, this is an encouraging word, isn't it? <laughs> but this is the gospel. 
Do not be fooled by messages that just make it cheap. the gospel. It's a good feel factor. Run with your feelings, follow your heart. What did I tell you about when your heart is sick? Above all else, the heart is deceitful. Who knows the depths of that deceit? So when your hope is not in Christ, it gets deferred and it makes the heart sick. When the heart is sick, it leads you into deceit. Away from what God has done. You start to take things into your own hands. This is why this chapter is powerful. It talks about who we came from, what we are born into. And then it describes what Christ has done. This is the gospel. If somebody asks you, what does it take to be a Christian? It says, you got to understand that you were dead. Here we go. Verse 6. Here comes our champion. Can you imagine Jesus in his glory? In the glory that's different to the way we look. You would think, come and save me. Even the Jews, when he first came, thought he was going to come with a sword. Right? And change. But he came as a servant king. He came to love and give his life. Because he knew the price needed for you and I to have a relationship with God. Do you understand the price needed to have a relationship with God today? I pray that these words from the Word of God will inspire you to go, what a gift I have. What a friend I have. What a lover I have in Jesus. Let's read from verse 6. But I, but I came by and saw you there, helplessly kicking about in your own blood. When, you're, when you see somebody in their blood, it makes... It's normally like, man, they're close to death, right? Okay. This is a bloody picture, guys, but I want you to see it. Unless you understand this, it makes the gospel cheap. As you lay there, I said, live. God's desire is that you live today. But understand from where you were coming from, the death that we are from, Okay. He said, and I helped you to thrive like a plant in the field. You grew up and became a beautiful jewel. Okay? Who helped us? God. He says, I came in your place of desperate. I came and, you, and your umbilical cord was connected to that life of death because of sin. And I came and I saved you. I cut that so that you would be born again. You would be rebirthed in me. You're, you grew up and became a beautiful jewel. Your breasts became full and your body hair grew, but you were still naked. So God is saying, I know you in your intimacy. I know you from who here likes to go around naked. I hope nobody puts their hands up. OK, right. That's a private thing. And you think only you know what you look like behind the closed doors. OK, God says, even in your nakedness, with all that shame and embarrassment that you sometimes think that you have and nobody else knows, I know that, but I still love you. Do you see this picture, guys? God is saying, look, I saw you when you were still umbilically connected. Understand the death that was assured for you. I sent my son to die for you. This 
is the power of the gospel. Why? Because I want to have a love romance with you. I want you to walk in love with me because I know that when your heart is in love, you are strong. When your heart is full of me and only me, then you will live out. Like I said, you, all those talents and gifts that has been given to us can be fully outworked for my glory. Amen? So here we go. While you were still naked. Verse 8. And when I passed by again, I saw that you were old enough to love. So, this is powerful. And you see, when you become old enough to understand the gospel, that's when you make a decision. See, God in His grace has been covering us, protecting us in our nakedness, in our baby state. As you're growing, that is called grace and mercy. He says, my faithfulness is new every day. I, I'm with you. Even when you're unfaithful, I will be found faithful. Even when you're embarrassed, I know and I, my love is here. Even when you've, we, we sang those songs, even how many times have I sinned, I only need to ask for forgiveness. And your love is there. He says, that is who I am. Now I want you to know who you are to me. And this is the most exciting part of this scripture coming up. He says, so when the time came, that means that when you're ready to fully commit your heart, and this is today, you may be walking with these things that the Holy Spirit is showing you. Bitterness, fear, resentment, jealousy. These are things that make the heart sick. Anger. He says this, so I saw that you were old enough to love, so I wrapped my cloak around you to cover your nakedness and declare my marriage vows. I made a covenant with you. This is powerful, guys, says the sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Whew. Stop for a moment. I don't know about you, but that gives me goosebumps when I just pause and think, I, a worthless human who was born and nobody loved, I was unbiddly connected to death. And God would come and cut that and say, I will pay the price. My blood will pay for you. This is the value of my love for you. This is why it's all you need. And what did I do in your nakedness? I put my cloak around you to cover you. My righteousness covers you and pays you. I, through the cross, have paid the price that's rightfully yours. And I stood in that place before God and said, this is mine. Guys, that is the gospel. And if we don't fully appreciate it, we cannot walk fully whole. I made a covenant with you. What happens when a man marries a woman and puts this ring on? So my wife takes my name, right? So like in a marriage vow, God says, um, in the Old Testament, when they put a cloak around, that was like, we're getting married. And then they would disappear to a tent. And that was their marriage, consecration. Okay? God is saying, I'm putting my name upon you. You are no longer your own. You now carry my name. You are now 
different from where you came from. God is not in the business of patching up. God is not in the business of, of kind of reweaving certain things in our lives that have plagued us, certain things that maybe you were born into, things that were done to you or happened to you that was not even in your control. God is not in the business of patching that up. He's in the business of putting his name on you. Where, what is the temple of God? Is it this building? We are the temple of God. And so when he puts his name on the temple, who does that temple belong to? God. And what did it cost to put his name on that? His own life. This is romance. This is love. This is the pill to remedy a sick heart. Isn't it romantic? I'm going to put my name on you. I'm going to stamp my name on your house so everybody knows that you are mine and I am yours. That regardless of the past and the nakedness that people saw, regardless of who people have judged you for and what they saw you do and what they thought you're about and where you came from, you are no longer that. You are mine. When they see you, they see me. They see, you belong to me and I'm jealous. And I will protect that which is mine. Like a husband, I will protect my family with my very life. I can guarantee that. How much more so our heavenly father who sent his only son to draw us back to him, to cut off that cord that connected us to death and said, I will send my son to pay that price so that you would come near to me. So that you would be mine. I'm gonna, and I'm so proud. Do you put your name on anything other than what you're proud of? You wouldn't, would you? Would you? Imagine if you built, a, you know, I'm not a builder. And if I build a house of my own, I, I probably wouldn't put my name on it. I wouldn't tell anybody. I'd be embarrassed because it would be a terrible house. Right? But if, if say, I created a beautiful piece of music because I love music, I'm very happy to put my name on it. Hey, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, that's mine. Yep, yep, yep. Or my children. I love to look at these beautiful kids and go, those are mine. How much does the Father in heaven look at you and go to others and go, she's mine. He's mine. They're mine. You're mine. No matter where you came from, they're mine. And when they're mine, they're part of my house. They carry my name. That means that they carry the authority that comes from me. My wife, when she walks somewhere, she carries my authority. And people know she belongs to him. God wants you to know you belong to him. And there's nothing that can separate us from that apart from a heart that's got hate, that's hard, that's sick, that won't allow ourselves to come back into this romance. This is what my wife and I love to call the great romance. See, God draws men because of his love. When you understand the power of that love from whence you were saved out of, you don't need to be judged to run to him. You run to him because his love draws you. You realize, what am I doing? Why am I holding on to these things? When God says, I am here. You are mine. And I'm proud to put my name on your temple, on your house. 
But the question is, do we understand what that means? Or do we, like this chapter says, walk like the unfaithful person? You see, this is where today I want to challenge all of us. Verse 9, then I bathed you and washed off your blood and I rubbed fragrant oils into your skin. Verse 10, I gave you expensive clothing of fine linen and silk, beautifully embroidered, and sandals made of fine goat's leather. God has given you everything that you have today. You've got to understand this, okay? I gave you lovely jewelry, bracelets, beautiful necklaces. Does this sound like somebody that's in love with someone? Doesn't it? You know, like when you, when, when, when you see like, you know, when guys are dating and, you know, and, and hopefully men that are married, you want to give good presents to your wife, you know? And you're thinking, oh yeah, I want to give this. This is going to look good on her or this is going to be great. It's going to bless him. I know this. This is love. You're, you're drawn in a romance. It's a walk, right? And it says this. Um, Verse 12, a ring for your nose, earrings for your ears, and a lovely crown for your head. And so you were adorned with gold and silver. Your clothes were made of fine linen and, and were beautifully embroidered. You ate the finest foods, choice flour, honey, and olive oil, and became more beautiful than ever. You looked like a queen, and so you were. God, I don't know about you, but that's pretty romantic. You're my queen. Right? You know, if your wife says, you, you, you're my prince, you're, you're like, you're the king, Yahoo. Right? It's a romantic love. This isn't about judgment, guys. Love will break all those fears today. If you're holding on to anything, don't come at this with, I'm being judged. Come at this as, I'm being loved. Okay? Your fame soon spread throughout the world because of your beauty. I dressed you in my splendor and perfected your beauty, says the sovereign Lord. Wow, what a picture. But here comes the warning. Okay? Here we go. But you thought your fame and beauty were your own. Oh. So you did what? You gave yourself as a prostitute to every man who came along. Your beauty was theirs for the asking. I don't know about you, but that, that just strikes my heart. And this is that spirit of hangyo I talked about earlier. Bargaining with the gospel. We serve a jealous God, right? He's describing himself like a lover. Let's not be afraid to use that. Okay? Man or woman, if you love somebody, you're jealous. Amen? God is saying, I'm, I'm giving you a descriptive that makes sense of the way I made you because you are made in my image. God is jealous today for our what? What's our most valued treasure? Our hearts. Not our abilities. Not our minds. Oh, I love your mind the way you think. You're able to be so smart. Oh, you can think and speak so well. God's like, I want your heart. Because that's the place I know that's the greatest treasure. Because where your heart is, there your treasure is. 
Where your treasure is, there your heart is. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, and everything else flows out of the heart. It's the wellspring of life comes out of the heart. Okay, so hear this. You use the lovely things I gave you to make shrines for idols where you played the prostitute. These are horrible words. These are horrible words. But these are words that we need to own up to if our hearts are sick today, i.e. our hearts are divided in any way. And I, I don't want to dance around it. I don't want to cheapen it. I don't want to lessen it. Why? Because if we do that, then we are not understanding the love that God has given us and what we're being saved out of and the sadness that our Father has when we break His heart. When we prostitute our hearts for other things, when we put fear above things, when we put hate above our love for Him, when we put our past above our love for Him, when we start to identify ourselves and put our old names back on our temple apart from Him. It's not breaking so much the law and the covenant, which it is, but it's more breaking His heart. We need to understand that our hearts can be prostituted. Horrible word, but it's the truth. What areas in your life and in my life today are we prostituting to the world that belongs to God, that in our nakedness, in our secret places, we are not living holy and set apart for Him and Him alone, where we're allowing bitterness, hurt and pain, fears, past, present and future hopes deferred, Things that haven't happened and you hold a grudge. Maybe jealousy. I throw these words out because I believe God is saying, if any of these land, today is a day that I want to make things all new. Because he says, like a passionate lover, I'm pursuing you today with my love. But I will never force it. Unbelievable. How could such a thing ever happen? Verse 17. You took the very jewels and gold and silver ornaments I had given you and made statues of men and worshipped them. This is adultery against me. Guys, anything but full commitment to God is adultery. It's not a gospel that's easily preached today, but it is the gospel. So we need to understand if there's any areas in our heart today where we're living an adulterous life in our thoughts, in our hearts, in our actions. Today's a day that God is saying, I want you to come back. I'm calling you back and I want to put my name clearly on your temple. But you need to understand that I am jealous for you. Verse 18, you used the beautifully embroidered clothes I gave you to dress your idols. We start taking those gifts that God has given us, our talents, our abilities, even our hopes, and we start dressing other things with it. We start to own it. We start to walk with pride, maybe. Then you used my special oil and my incense to worship them. Idolatry starts where, guys? In the heart. This is why the heart is the biggest battleground today. 
If we would allow God to transform our hearts, our cities and our nation would be changed. You know, a hard-headed youth and a teen. What's the problem? Their heart. What's the answer? God breaking through their heart and allowing God to transform their heart. See, God is not about patching. He's about making new. And I'm going to show you that in a moment. Verse 19. Imagine it. You set before them as a sacrifice the choice flower, olive oil, and honey I had given you, says the sovereign Lord. Do you notice he keeps going on about this adulterous behavior? Let's not run in fear from the word of God. A reverent fear of this covenant love will put your heart back in its rightful place. Then you took your sons and daughters, the children you had born to me, and sacrificed them to your gods. Our actions today, our divided hearts, can have a knock-on effect on future generations. I'm not saying that those generations, i.e. even yourself, if your past has had an influence on you or brought you into a certain place, doesn't tie you. But the fruit of what we could taste of the tree of life today can be hindered by certain things in our hearts. Unforgiveness, for one, is a big thing in our hearts today. Bitterness, fear. Maybe you're fearful of man more than you are fearful of having an adulterous heart towards God. You'd rather please man over God's heart. Remember, we live for an audience of one. That's what my wife always talk about. Whatever you're doing, don't raise anything you're doing above the audience of one. In ministry, in marriage, our marriage is for an audience of one. In work, in your sports. I tell my kids, if God calls you into a place where you have influence, make sure that influence is for an audience of one. Live fully humble, dedicated for an audience of one. Everything else will sort itself out. Verse 21, must you also slaughter my children by sacrificing them to idols? Wow. In all your years of adultery and detestable sin, you have not once remembered. And this is my point today. This is why I'm laboring these things. You have not once remembered the days long ago when you lay naked in a field. When you were that baby with that umbilical cord. When you remembered that you were in a pool of blood with sure death coming. Kicking about in your own blood. Jump down to verse 30. What a sick heart you have, says the sovereign Lord, to do such things as these, acting like a shameless prostitute. <sighs> this is a message for all of us to be aware of. Because the world wants our heart. The devil wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy the very identity we are in Christ. And he will use these things to take that very thing that God says is for you. I want to show you, we, can we all understand that God's heart is romance and he wants wholeness and he paid the price? I mean, like I said, I opened up this morning saying, has anybody here had anybody take a bullet for them? Somebody has? Nobody. Right? But all of us have had a Savior die for us. While we were in that state of worthlessness, 
Not because we were worthy, but because he is holy and loving. Not because we are good, but because he is good. His righteousness, his love, his blood, not ours. So God's desire is to have us come back. Okay? So look at uh, Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 18. So have we got a clear picture of where we've come from and the deceitful natures of our heart today? Have you guys got that? And do we have a clear picture of our champion, our lover, our friend, Jesus, and what he desires of us? Okay. So this is God's plan for you and I today. Ezekiel 11, verse 18. When the people return to their homeland. So what does return mean? What does repentance do? You turn away, right? You come back. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for doing this, and I come back. I come back into that loving relationship with you. In this area that you're revealing to me, I repent. And this is what God wants to do. When the people return to their homeland, they will remove every trace of their vile images and detestable idols. So those things that have been on you, stuck on you, and you don't even realize until God revealed his love and that light shines in the darkness. You go, wow, I need to cut that off. That's a growth. That's like a... That's like a, uh, a boil. It's like a cancer in my life that's rotting me from the inside out. God reveals it through his love. And he says, I will remove every trace of their vile image and detestable idols. And I will give them what? Because their hearts were divided before, right? You hung your Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You kept changing it up and down. He says, and I, not you. This isn't in your own strength today, guys. So be thankful. You don't have to do this in your own ability. God says, I have everything you need in me. And I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. God is saying today, folks, I will give you a singleness of heart, undivided. It comes from me. And I will give you that heart that's just for me. And I'm going to give you a new heart, not patched, okay? I will give them a singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. So if you're walking today with a spirit that feels judged or you don't believe that God really loves you, understand that God died for you. And he says, I'm going to give you a new spirit. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. So when he takes something away, he's got to replace it, right? That's the beauty of the gospel today. Today, while there is breath in our lungs, is a new day that the Lord has made. Let's make a moment of rejoicing before him. Right? I will give them a tender, responsive heart so they will obey my decrees and regulations. You see, today you may think, man, I, do, I can't do it in my own strength. I keep failing. You're absolutely right. You cannot do this on your own. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And he said, what did he say? I'm going to give you a new spirit. And that spirit is going to empower you and enable you to obey me, to follow me. You need only ask. I'm here. I have never left you. I have never forsaken you. Even in your moments of adulterous unfaithfulness, I am here. But today, 
Will you listen to my words? Will you come back? Will you recognize my voice and come home? So they will obey my decrees and regulations. Then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. Wow. Who wants to be a people of God today? Amen. Amen. So he says, come home. Come back to this great romance. Come home, child. You see, this is the power of the gospel. I want you to look at uh, Ezekiel chapter 18. And here's a little action points, okay? Um, we're, we're, we're winding up to finish, and I pray that we have a chance to respond. Ezekiel chapter uh, 18, verse 30. Therefore, I will judge each of you, O people of Israel, according to your actions, says the Lord. So God is a God of justice. This is why Jesus had to die for you and I, because somebody had to pay the price. Okay? There's no two ways about that. He's holy, and where he is, darkness cannot be. Sin cannot be in the midst of God's presence. So he says, here's my judgment. So he says this. This is his call. Repent and turn from your sins. Don't let them destroy you. Can you hear like a plea for a cry? Don't let them destroy you, son, daughter. Don't let your sins destroy you. Like I said, that umbilical cord that don't let it destroy you. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourself a new heart. Do you see a theme? And a new spirit. For why should you die, O people of Israel? God is saying, you don't need to die. Why should you? I've given you everything you need to be saved and to be healed. He said Jesus came to heal and to save. So today God wants to heal you by giving you a new heart. You are a new creation. You're no longer who you were. You're no longer in condemnation. But now God says, I want you to walk. Accept and believe I've given you newness of heart. But now you must walk. I don't want you to die. This is what God is saying. Says the sovereign Lord, turn back and live. Is it clear? You don't, we don't need to expand on that. <laughs> turn back and live. I don't want you to die. Is that, is, is that a love that says, I want to judge you? Come home so that I can spank you? No. It says, come home so that you don't die. Come home so that you can live. I have the best plan for you. Stop doing what you're doing and prostituting your heart. I'm here. Stop living in fear. One last passage of scripture I want us to look at together. Revelations chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. And this is my call for all of us today, this morning. These are Jesus' own words. The Son of God became man, okay? So we can take this as gospel. 
Amen. Okay, here we go. But I have this complaint against you. You see, Jesus is jealous for our love. So he says this plainly and clearly. I have a complaint about your adulterous heart. Yeah, I, I'm angry about it. I'm jealous. I don't want to share you with anybody else. Only my name belongs on your temple. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. What does that mean? The first love. Come back to the first love. Understand what I saved you from. Those butterflies that you felt at the beginning of your walk with me when I revealed to you that it was only by my love and by my grace that you have been brought into life out of sure death. He says, come back. So we need to come to a place where we need to consider where we have come away from today. This is the steps. Consider your life. Consider the matters of your heart today. When he says, I, uh, you know, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Turn back to me. God is saying, look, you need to repent. Remember here, come home. I want you to live and not die. If you're seeking for anything, do this. I've got the rest covered for you. It's your heart that's the issue. It's not me. I'm still here. Regardless of how unfaithful you've been, I'm here. But you need to come back. So we need to consider our hearts. We need to turn back. We need to repent. And we need to do those things when we first fell in love with Jesus. He says, I want you to walk like that. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstands from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil de deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Have you got ears to hear this morning, church? Amen. Amen. Is God speaking to your heart today, church? Okay. So if that's the case, to everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. We want to eat from the tree of life, from the tree of eternity. What is the tree of life? The rewards for obedience. Today, God is saying, will you obey me and repent and turn from an adulterous heart in any area that I've revealed to you by my spirit? So that you can eat from the tree of life, which is eternal life. A life that cannot be snuffed here on earth. A life that does not end at the end of our flesh, but goes on for eternity in a loving relationship with our champion, our king, Jesus. A life that cannot be stolen, that cannot be transformed by any man. This is the only secure treasure you and I have that we cannot mess up ourselves if we accept it. But we can make our hearts a barrier. So God is saying, will you listen today, church? Let me read that to you one more time in verse 7 of Revelation. And then maybe we can do some worship. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the church. To everyone 
who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Anyone with ears to hear this morning, church? Amen. Amen.